Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Slice a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter or search the hashtag TPPN um, as we will hashtag that as we go live. We are back after a long weekend last weekend. We are going to start up our divisional or slash team preview series. We're going to start off with the AFC West today. We'll be talking about the Chiefs and the Raiders. Before we jump into that, though, gentlemen, how was your weekend? Man, I had a fantastic weekend getting over COVID. Did a little work on the gutters. Did some 4-H projects with the kids. You know, kind of trying to stay one step ahead of the honey-do list. And it was my turn to get COVID. And so I basically sat on my couch and watched movies. So you worked. I mean, I did review a whole bunch of stuff. I, yeah, I guess I did some of that. I worked on our show sheets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was gonna say outside the the first part of that sentence. I mean, it sounds a lot of fun. You just you know sat around and watched movies. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, nothing wrong with that at all. So they weren't all for review. Like I just I found one day I just decided, I was like, well, I wonder what shitty shark movies I haven't seen. I watched Megalodon Rising and something called The Requin, which had Alicia Silverstone. I just, like, who takes a vacation to Vietnam? I started the movie thinking this is not going to end well. I um, have not heard of either one of those movies. So, uh, all they're, I know is They're not worth finding. Stranger Things Volume 2. This Friday. Are you ready? Have you all caught up? I, I have, and I'm going to be honest with you, I have gone back and forth with myself multiple times about whether or not to text you guys and just say there's something really important that came up Friday afternoon I will not be able to make the show just so I can come home and watch those final two episodes of, of uh, the second half of season four because I cannot wait. It is. Uh... I have enough Melvin Gordon takes to take up the hour. It's okay. All right, there we go. There we go. So you guys hear it here first. It'll be Matt and Dennis. Uh, no, I, I don't know when it, what's it probably drop like first thing Friday morning, like midnight or whatever. So. It's midnight Eastern time. So for you, it'll probably be 11, 11. PM on Thursday. Yeah. Well, I mean, I won't be watching at 11. I will be sleeping at that point, hopefully, but I will. Uh, yeah, I'll wait till I'll wait till after the show. I've got plenty of time before my, uh, my wife comes home and it's just, I just don't want anything spoiled for me, so it's going to go right back to one of those days where I just I can't get on Twitter all day because 
you know, any anybody who's watched Stranger Things, there's always a really big death at, at in one of the final two episodes of every season. So they're setting that up right now as well. And I'm, I have a feeling I mean, it is going to require a four hour block of time because the first yeah. episode's eighty five minutes and the second one's two and a half hours. Oh, I know, and I'm here for it, my friend. I am here for it. I'm so emotionally invested into these characters now after like a two and a half week binge of the entire four seasons up until this point. So I'm not ready. I, you know, I'm not ready for what's about to happen. So, anyways. With the AFC West, uh, before we jump into that, though, we do have some news. Uh, some stuff has come out since we last recorded. A uh, big one here, possibly in the retirement of Rob Gronkowski, though his agent did come out right afterwards and said, but maybe if Tom Brady calls him midseason, he might come back. Matt, what are your thoughts on Gronk retiring from the NFL? Yeah, I mean, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Um it's only mildly surprising that he retired because Brady actually came back. We'll see if it sticks, but I, you know, I think his heart was in being ready to move on. I think he basically came back when, when Brady got traded because he wanted to win a Super Bowl, which he did. Um, I, Cameron Brate has filled in admirably a, a lot of times in the past. I think he'll do well. And then they have a couple of rookies to develop. I don't think the Buccaneers will miss a beat. Yeah. I, I feel like he's, He's done. He he doesn't. It his legacy is not going to be enhanced by winning another title. Uh, I think Gronk is ready to move on to the next career. Uh, he reportedly has only lived off his endorsements for his entire career, and he's probably at the point in his endorsement slash celebrity career that he's probably never going to have to tap into his uh, football earnings. So he's going to go on and he's going to do some things. Wouldn't surprise me to see him hosting a goofy show, you know, and, you know, just having fun, investing in things he believes in, raising money for charity, and just generally having himself a good old time for the next 50 years and not taking a beating. He he abused his body pretty good. And from a tight end perspective, his size, speed, athletic profile, he was able to do a lot of things that many tight ends can't. Even smaller ones weren't able to do some of those things. It's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, you know, he doesn't need – he doesn't have anything to prove – and I don't think he has that I've got to win one more mentality. And I think the Bucks are going to be fine. You know, they've got um, Bright, they've got K. Dotton. Um, they'll probably wouldn't surprise me if they brought in a veteran uh, once cuts start happening, just to have some extra depth. But they're in good shape as far as the team goes. You know, their biggest issue I think is whether or not Chris Godwin gets back in a timely fashion. Yeah, I, I don't think he's coming back either. We kind of saw that last year. There, It really seemed like he was a little bit hesitant to come back. I still find that story funny. Um, Last year when they needed him, I think it was last year, last year maybe the COVID year when he came back to the Bucks and they uh, he needed to send them like videos of him sprinting and everything to make sure he was doing conditioning. And all he did was just film himself all, wearing like multiple outfits on the same day and then just kept sending the different outfits 
to the Buccaneers. So it looked like he was doing it every single day, even though he wasn't like, he's just a guy who I think is ready for the second part of his career. I mean, there's times that you would think he's been playing the game for 15, 20 years, the way that like his body is kind of broken down on him at times, how, how hard it was for him to get up after hits. It looked like um, he suffered a lot of injuries, some injuries to his back as well, which we all know is just not, not necessarily an easy injury to bounce back from. So with you, he's won multiple Super Bowls, easily walking in the Hall of Fame as a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, he's not, I don't think he's got that competitive drive that Brady does, where it's like, I need to continue to cement my legacy. His legacy is cemented as one of the best tight ends uh, to ever play the game. Alvin Kamara, the reports are, is likely going to get a six-game suspension. Dennis, what does this mean for Kamara and the Saints uh, and, and honestly, your fantasy teams, if you have them on a dynasty roster this year. Um, it means that uh, in best ball, definitely drafting uh, Mark Ingram late was a good move. Now, I, I, I don't know. I don't six games seems a little bit excessive. I felt like two to three games. Maybe it's six and uh, appeal down to three or something. You know, you shouldn't be walking around punching people, but I, as far as, you know, he's going to be, when he comes back, he's going to be a points per game stud. He is Abram Smith, Mark Ingram, Dwayne Washington, Ty Montgomery. Um, none of those guys are going to take his role. Uh, not even Taysom Smith will take his role um, though, after the first six weeks are over. I think all of those guys will fill that role to a degree at some point over the first six weeks, if that's what he's suspended. Um, but heck, honestly, missing six games might actually be good for him at this stage of his career. Yeah, I don't think it affects my thinking for Dynasty for redraft. I think it drops him to a low end. RB2, um, just because missing those six games, he'll have production when he comes back. Um, the one that if I'm going to get somebody, it's it's I think it's Mark Ingram, because we've seen Ingram uh, do well in that system, especially in short bursts. And if all they need is, is a few games there at the beginning before Kamara comes back, that's, that's who I would go get. But I have questions about the New Orleans offense in general. What's Taysom Hill or what's uh, James Winston going to look like coming back? What is their tight end situation? Because now there's talk that Taysom Hill is actually going to be their tight end. What do we expect from those receivers? That offense could be a work in progress in the first quarter of the season anyway. I mean, how should he did Cole Komet, or not Cole Komet, uh, Troutman do if they're now saying, hey, Taysom Hill is going to be our tight end? But that's As, the thing. Troutman has done nothing uh, in two years. I, I don't even know that it's that. I think it's just he they've he's got that contract. They can't get rid of him, so they've got to move him somewhere. I mean, that, he's a good blocker. He's a good rusher. Yeah. He can catch the ball. I mean, I think he's going to be. Used I think like Troutman in, plays, but they yeah. maybe just didn't get what they thought they um, might get out of him. I still think Troutman's going to be the starting tight end. I think I think they're going to use Hill as more like an H-back tight end. I, I don't think he's going to be your traditional tight end. Again, they're kind of saddled with that contract for what whether it was just they were best friends or Taysom Hill had something on Sean Payton. I don't know what it was, but he got a lot of money for, for not really doing a lot. So, And they're kind of saddled with that contract. Uh, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Kamara's um, – 
suspension is upheld. There's a lot of rumors going around that there's a video, and that is why we've seen how much that matters to the NFL. If there's a video, those those suspensions seem to be um, more more strict and uh, and honestly stick. You know, I'm, I, I it's hard to say what is right or wrong. I mean, you should not go around just beating people. Rumors are that the guy grabbed his hair first. I don't know what happened. I was not there. Uh, but I do feel like all the reports, especially with everything going on to Sean Watson, let me specify, is a completely different situation, has nothing to do with the two outside of, of Kamara doing something to get suspended. There's been a lot of reports that there's a lot of pressure on Roger Goodell to get these things right, and I really think he's going to start coming in with a heavier kind of iron fist kind of ruling to make sure that it looks like he is back to the no fun league as it was when he first took over and he was dropping in these very long suspensions that a lot of people did not like. And he ruled with an iron fist. We might be getting back to that. So I would not be surprised if we do see Kamara out for six games for dynasty. I mean, that does matter. That's almost half the season now at this point, I don't know when the saints bye week is. So I don't know if you were, if you're getting that within the suspension, but it's usually for games, suspension for games. Okay. So even if it, even so if the buy is early in the season, he's going to miss six another, regardless. So yeah, um, you know, I, I agree with what uh, both of you said that you got to go get Mark Ingram, and I, I still believe Abram Smith is a really good guy uh, to grab as well. Very late in startups, and I mean, I just got him. I think in the fifth round of two of my rookie drafts, so he is not a guy going early that I think could could step up here with Kamara possibly being out for almost half of the season. Speaking of players looking at discipline, Deshaun Watson settles 20 of his 24 um, lawsuits. The discipline hearing begins Tuesday. I've said it to multiple people. I really think we're going to find out about this on Friday this week. Uh, The NFL just has a history of news dumping these big suspensions right before a holiday weekend where everybody is going to be busy doing stuff. We've got a four-day weekend coming or three-day weekend coming up. Um, with uh, the fourth being on Monday. Matt, what do you think we're looking at here? I mean, a lot of the reports are saying he will be suspended indefinitely or at least one full season. Yeah, I think it's going to be uh, a suspension similar to Calvin Ridley where you get uh, – Calvin Ridley, a lot of people forget, was indefinite at least for one full season. It's possible he's not eligible to come back at the beginning of next year either, depending on how things go. And I think it's going to be the same thing for Watson, which means we're probably tracking toward the Jacoby Brissett six-win season in Cleveland. Yeah, Watson, I I think that, uh, that I agree with you. They're going to place it as indefinite, so they have the option of not letting him come back after this season, uh, depending on what other things they may may find out or how he behaves. And now one of the people has also filed suit against the Texans related to the Watson case, stating that they helped arrange uh, the interactions. Um, and so it's it's getting it's not getting better. It's getting, uh, it's going off the rails, and it wouldn't, I, it wouldn't surprise me at this point as it kind of picks up steam, uh, especially in this climate that it ends up being more than a season. Um, that article from the New York Times was pretty damning too, where you're talking about a timeline 
that includes him continuing this last fall after people already knew about this and it was already a situation that's it's hard to say that you're contrite when that kind of a timeline comes out yeah i mean i i'm you know, it feels like he watched some mas- massage porn and it became kind of his fetish. And it, it, that was his his go-to. And nobody <sighs> sat him down and said, look, that's not how real life actually works. That stuff is all staged. You can't just do that. Uh, do you guys think that Cleveland knew many of these like I'm not surprised the Texans are getting sued because the the pretty damning part of that was something like after his first month they started putting NDAs in his locker and told him to take him wherever he went and make everyone he met with sign it which kind of an indication the Texans must have realized they had a problem I do I mean they met with him twice before they offered that contract I think they thought it was going to blow over I really do uh, no, knowing Haslam, the, the or at least I don't know him on a personal level, but the things I've read about Jimmy Haslam and, and the way he handles his business outside of the Cleveland Browns and everything, I have no doubt in my mind that he probably thought this was all just going to blow over and be fine. Um, I think they've expected it to be at least a year. That's why they structured his contract the way that they did. He, he makes absolutely no money this year. Um, I I honestly think that they believe, and I may have even said this on this podcast, I honestly think they believe that he's going to be suspended for a year, he'll be fine to play next year, and as long as he wins a Super Bowl for the Cleveland Browns at the end of the day, it won't matter. Like, I I honestly think that's what they believe. I don't believe that, but I think that's what they believe. And and I will also say that I think there's a certain contingent of Browns fans that that is 100% true. If he brings them just one Super Bowl, I it, I don't think it's unfair to say there's a lot of people in Cleveland or Browns fans around the world, even NFL fans, that will not care about what's going on. They'll be like, hey, he won a Super Bowl. He did his job. I, I know not everybody will feel that way. I won't. Um, but that is something that will happen. I, I don't – I am very torn on – because I do – such a weird conversation to have. I do believe everybody deserves a second chance, but I also feel like Dennis, you mentioned him or Matt, you said him not being contrite. If you've listened to the dude talk for two minutes, he doesn't feel like he's done anything wrong. So what is he going to feel contrite about? Like he doesn't think he's done anything wrong. He said that. in what was that a week and a half ago, two weeks ago when he was stupidly took the podium and talked and then said, I've, I've stated all along. I've done nothing wrong. The truth will come out. I'm like, the truth's probably already come out. Like maybe it's not a hundred percent. Maybe it is somewhere in the middle, as they say, between what he's saying and what we're hearing from 24 plus other women, which I don't feel like all just got together. It's like, Hey, let's make up a story about Deshaun Watson here to get paid. I really don't think that's happening. So I, it's just, he clearly believes he's done nothing wrong. So I don't know why he would feel contrite about anything because he just is that. No easy transition to the greatest quarterback that's ever played in Cleveland and the guy that that absolutely got screwed by this whole situation, Baker Mayfield. Uh, It seems now that rumors are heating up. He might be heading to Seattle. Matt, which team do you think is a better fit for him? Is it Seattle or Carolina? And if he does go to Seattle, what does this mean for his fantasy value? Yeah, um, if I'm him, I'm going to Seattle because I think Carolina uh, as a as a team in general, is a dumpster fire. Um, I think in Seattle, 
to me, he's probably still low end QB two. Um, but I think it'll be much happier for people that roster DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, or Noah Fant probably uh, will help a little bit. I think Seattle is still going to struggle, and especially in that NFC West, um, no matter what they do. But they have a better core um, around him and probably a more stable franchise. I, I think this is it for Matt Rule. I would not be too pumped to go to Carolina, especially as I think you mentioned before, like Robbie Anderson already taking shots at, at Baker Mayfield. Why do you want to go there? Yeah, I agree that Seattle at this point seems to be the more stable franchise. But I don't know that Pete Carroll has that much longer left on the bench than Matt Rule. I mean, isn't Carroll the oldest coach in the league right now? I mean, he's. Yeah, I think he's up there, but he is. I still think if he goes. They chase him over Russell Wilson. I don't think he's going anywhere. And if he goes, I think it'll be his decision. Yeah, I just think I, but that's just it. I feel like that the. That the that he could make that decision too, not just the the Seahawks. You know, I think if they struggle again this year, now I I agree with you, Matt. I don't think that it matters what team he goes to when it comes to Baker Mayfield's fantasy uh, potential. He's a low end QB too. I think we've seen that. Um, he's not a quarterback that can elevate the receivers around him. He can put up okay numbers when he has talent. And, you know, both teams have some talent, but I think the, the interior of both teams uh, in Seattle and Carolina, both of them need offensive line help. And that's really, if Baker's going to be more than a low-end QB too, he needs to be on a team that has a top five offensive line so that he has time and doesn't feel like he has to do too much because that's where he struggles when he has to do too much. Um, I I guess I I like Seattle as the better fit just because the they potentially could have you know two to three years of Pete Carroll versus starting over with a new regime uh, at some point this year, and the ownership in Seattle does seem to be a little more stable uh, than David Tepper there in Carolina. I just want him out of Cleveland for the, for, for Baker's sake, let him continue on with his career. Uh, I don't think either sp- there's, there's ups and downs for both of them, right? Like Carolina, you're right with the coaching staff. I think there's a lot more, you know, uh, it's a lot scarier, I guess there. Cause Matt rule likely isn't going to be there much longer. And Baker could be gone after that and be a free agent. The good news on the Seattle side is they've already said that the, if they do get him, they're likely going to extend him. Then do you want to be stuck in Seattle with a bad offensive line and a run first slash defense minded head coach? I, I think there's, there's plus and minuses for both sides uh, of the teams here, wherever he goes though. I just, uh, you know, I think uh, for his sake, for Cleveland, for everybody, it's just, they, they need to get him out of there so everybody can kind of move on and we can move on to the Jacoby Brissett future of the Cleveland Browns. Cause that's what it's going to be. All right. Let, let's talk about some actual fun teams here. And that is the Kansas city chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they will be the teams that we kick off our team. That was a great yeah, they are fun teams. Oh, this whole division is going to be a lot of fun, I think. So the Kansas City Chiefs, who won the division last year in the AFC, wish in the not the wish the AFC West, 
finished with a tw- in 2021 with a 12 and 5 record and lost in the AFC Championship game. Their key departures were Tyree Kill, who goes to the Dolphins, Darrell Williams to the Cardinals, and Tyron Matthew, who signs with the Saints. Their key additions, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Ronald Jones, and that is and uh, their key rookie was Sky Moore. Ha- tie-in fantasy finishes, Patrick Mahomes finishes QB4, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, RB46, and Travis Kelsey tight end two. Right now, their over-unders are sitting at 10.5 wins. I'm going to take the over on that. Matt, Dennis, what are you guys doing? I I think it's a great number because their defense (laughs) is a little bit better. And the offense, you know, they're not strong at running back. I mean, I just saw somebody – gleefully pick up uh or or gleefully pick um Jarek McKinnon in a rookie slash free agent draft in the fifth round and like I'm like well, I don't know why you're picking up McKinnon he's not doing anything in Kansas City even with Jones and uh, uh CEH not being great in front of him um and then the wide receiver there's so many questions there it it really falls on Sky Moore has to elevate his game really quick because I believe we know what the other guys are. We know what Juju is. We know what MBS is. Uh, and Travis Kelsey's 31, 32 years old. We know what he is. He's he's phenomenal, but he's coming to the end of the line uh, in the next couple of years. So it means Mahomes has to pick the team up. If they win 11 games or 12 games, it's because Mahomes wills them to. Uh, I'm going to take the over, but I think they just squeak it. Yeah, I'm taking the slight over. I think they win 11 games and make the playoffs. All right, so let's talk about their backfield. Uh, they added Ronald Jones here. Dennis just mentioned having uh, brought back Jarek McKinnon as well. We've got... Ronald Jones sitting here right now currently is RB 46 um, in this is sleepers ADP. Is that correct? Yes. All right. And sleepers ADP um, uh, 139.4 off the board here for Ronald Jones. They obviously have Clyde Edwards. Hilaire still there. RB 28 off the board, ADP of 85.5. Uh, they, as I just mentioned, kept uh, Jarek McKinnon. They also brought in rookies, Isaiah Pacheco and Jerry on Ely. Matt, what are you doing right now um, in redraft? And well, let's t- attack it from redraft first for redraft in uh, the Chiefs backfield. Yeah, for redraft, I probably don't want either of them, but based on the ADP, I kind of like Ronald Jones' value better. I think they're both going to end up pretty close together in their contributions. We saw Darrell Williams in a complimentary role uh, produce quite a bit. Um, He did a lot of his as a pass catcher, which is obviously not Ronald Jones' specialty. I think maybe you see CEH catching more passes similar to what he did in the first year, but probably using Ronald Jones as a pounder uh, on first and second down, probably in the red zone area, because that's an area notably that CEH has struggled. So I I think they both probably end up, you know, between RB 30 and 40, in which case Ronald Jones is by far a better redraft value, but I'm not really bullish on either of them. Yeah. I, you know, the, 
the struggle I have with Ronald Jones, I want to to buy into him at that value, you know, at one one forty basically ADP. That's what that's what twelfth round. I I want to buy in, but to buy in, you have to believe that they're up and that they're running the ball. And I think we've seen enough of the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes that they often don't run the ball even when they have a lead. They still pass the ball because that's what's available to them. That's what their offense does. And so I get nervous about Jones there. Um, I do agree with you. Jones is going to have the opportunity to be the goal line back. Um, you know, I, I saw a tweet today, and I wish I could remember who it was. Um, basically, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had four goal line attempts in his first game and has had six attempts since. Uh, he didn't convert any of those four. And so now the Chiefs are quite reluctant to give it to him at the goal line. They just at 5'8 and 208, they don't think he can get it in. And he's kind of showed that he can't. Um, but if Edwards Alaire kind of has a, steps into a Alvin Kamara esque pass catching role, then it's a completely different, completely different game there. If he catches 80 balls this year, um, it could be, it, it could make that uh, RB28 look it could make us all look super super silly and i just don't know if i can buy into that either but with that wide receiver core a bunch of guys that mahomes is gonna have to get used to and micole hardman it's man it's so confusing i i want to i but i think i'm gonna i think if i have to to pick i'm gonna go with uh with Edward Delaire going at pick 85, that's what, round eight, round seven. Usually by then I've got a couple, three running backs, and I'm taking somebody that I, I have more confidence in. So I guess Jones is the value. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoff in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot and an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, that is TPPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537 in Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit 
hashtag ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP-7867 in Los Angeles, or 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK. Text HOPE-NY or 467-369 in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon or call and text Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia 21 and up 18 and up in Wyoming physically present in Arizona Colorado Connecticut Illinois Indiana Los Angeles, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Yeah, I would take Jones. If I had to go one or, one or the other here, I just feel like... The- they would not continue to bring in running backs every single year if they believed in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think they realized that maybe that was not a great pick there in the first round. I, I know that um, there was an interview given by Andy Reid where they talked about him. I think they, they've compared him to Brian Westbrook, but they thought he was better. I just, it's not working out. But we just we need to be honest, and I think they realize that as well. You're not bringing in... Ronald Jones bringing back Jarek McKinnon, br- drafting two rookies or drafting one, bringing in the other on an undrafted free agent. I can't remember how exactly both of those guys got there, but they're there. Uh, and a lot of that is just because I think they they just clearly don't believe in CH being that guy. Uh, Ronald Jones, you know, it has shown flashes, uh, was never really, in my opinion, allowed to kind of be the guy in Tampa Bay if they really give him the chance to, to be the guy. Maybe he is good at that point. I think his price, that's kind of baked in to that as well, being RB46 off the board. I think there's a shot he could be better than that. So he he's a guy that I would take the shot on there. Uh, moving um, to the dynasty part of this, would you be willing to buy either one of them let's just go contender i think it's fair to say if you're rebuilding you don't want anything to do with ronald jones or ceh at this point dennis uh but if you're a contender what are you willing to pay to get ronald jones or or ceh for that matter if i'm paying to get ronald jones or ceh am i really a contender i mean i, mean, I think I, that, I think so it, it that, running back depth is not a bad thing to have if you're a contender. i i, I get it i get it i mean I feel like Jones has a pretty low ceiling and an even lower floor. CEH, you know, in a in PPR leagues, there could be a floor there. If I'm a contender in Dynasty, well, first off, I don't think I want to trade for either one of them until in season, until I have some idea what's going on with that team. And then likely the guy I'm going to want to trade for is going to be CEH just because I think his opportunity share is going to be higher. I think they split the carries 65-35 and they split the pass attempts 80-20. In Dynasty, I don't really want either of them, which is weird because the Chiefs are a good Offense, Ronald Jones is on a one-year deal. Best you're hoping is that it works out for him the way it did with James Conner in Arizona. And I don't feel like 
when people went and got James Conner, it was because they knew he was going to win the league. He ends up being kind of a league winner or keeping you in there uh, and then ends up being a great asset moving forward. But that's the best case scenario for Ronald Jones. And I just don't think the Chiefs run enough. And CEH, this is going to be an interesting year for him. I wouldn't be surprised if they decline his fifth-year option and just ride out four years and, and see what they've got, kind of like what happened with Rashad Penny in Seattle. And Josh Jacobs in, in the Raiders, who we'll talk about here in a Josh minute. Josh Jacobs yeah, is I, arguably but much more productive yeah. and didn't oh. get the fifth-year option. The lowest fantasy scoring year he's had in points per game is RB15. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not really come close to that. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I I would probably throw like a early third if possible at Ronald Jones and see if I get him. You might have to pay a second for him. But, again, I think running back depth, if you're a contender, is key. And I do think he can outproduce his RB46 value. So let's talk about the wide receivers, though. They lose Tyree Kill, um, a big explosive part of that offense. As uh, I mentioned earlier, they brought in Juice <coughs> who is sitting right now as wide receiver 39 with an ADP of 106.6. And they bring in Marquez Valdez-Scantling, wide receiver 73, with an ADP of 158.8. They obviously still have um, players like Mikael Hardman, who is yet to really kind of break out. They also brought in Corey Coleman. They've got Justin Watson, Justin Ross, Cornell Powell, Aaron Parker, Gary Jennings, Omar Bayless. I mean, it's it, Josh Gordon came back. They've got just like a litany of guys matt which of these wide receivers in dynasty are you willing to buy if any and who are you expecting to be the best wide receiver for the chiefs this year in uh fantasy yes the best wide receiver in fantasy i think for the chiefs this year will end up being juju smith schuster and he if i was going to bet on one of these veterans like a ronald jones or him or somebody else who came there who's going to have that james connor type season i think it's going to be him i think he'll end up getting a long-term deal either with them or somebody else i'm still (coughs) not out on him in dynasty he's currently sitting as wide receiver 39 coming off the board and redraft i think he'll finish a little bit higher i don't think it'll be incredible but i think he'll be a high-end wide receiver three um mvs i kind of feel like he is what he is but if we're looking at dynasty i liked uh sky more uh, as a pick the my only hesitation is where i've seen him go in rookie drafts has gotten steadily higher and higher we've kind of fallen into that uh chiefs chief syndrome um you know, if I if I could get him at the end of the first round in rookie drafts or in the second round, I'd feel good. But I've seen him go as high as 102, and that's that's too too high for me. And I should mention, I forgot on on Sky Moore in his startup ADP is coming off the board as wide receiver 32, so the highest of all the wide receivers for the Chiefs with yeah. an ADP of 87.6. A player we love that went to an offense that we expect to be good. Yeah, it's. I mean, we're looking for a Deontay Johnson kind of breakout rookie year from Sky Moore, I think. Somebody that's just burst onto the scene. Yeah, small school. Okay, but he's going to step in. He's got a great quarterback that's going to get the ball. But I feel like he's got to earn – the trust of Mahomes, he's got to earn the trust of Andy Reid. Um, Valdez Gantling going at almost pick 160, 
I think is really, really nice value. But coming off the board in redrafts at wide receiver 73, that's that seems so cheap. But I, I feel like we know what we're going to get with him. And it's going to be a lot of that deep ball, maybe maybe a few more touchdowns than we, we kind of thought. But I could see Valdez Gantling putting up 900 yards and, you know, 45 catches or something. Um, Juju, I'm, I got to be honest, I, as much as I want to, to buy back in, I feel like there's more trouble with that knee than is let on. And it's sapped a lot of the things that made him good in the slot. And I don't know if he's going to be able to bounce back and be a – Jarvis Landry, Keenan Allen type of receiver on a consistent basis. And so at wide receiver 39, I'm probably going to wait and take MVS uh, later um, or even Sky Moore later than um, uh, uh, Juju. I, I just, I, I think I'm out on Juju at that price. Yeah, I think I am too. Like when I'm looking at the ADP for a startup here in Dynasty, I mean, they're going seven picks apart. I, mean, I know we haven't seen it from Sky Moore, but I think I'd rather just take Sky Moore at this point and bet on the upside because I think we've just seen it, especially with these wide receivers over the past couple of years. And if he just goes out there and does something, he'll hold his value. And he's already, Matt, as you just mentioned, at some rookie drafts going at one, two, his value is so high right now as it is that if, if you don't see enough out of him this year, I still think you'll be able to sell him for 80 cents, 90 cents on the dollar and, and get back decent value for him. Even if he only goes out there and does like five or 600 yards a season, because everybody's like, Oh, well, he's a rookie. He's trying to get integrated into the system where Juju, I just, I don't know what's going on with him. It is very, his contract is very incentive based, which does make me worry. As Dan has mentioned about the possible knee injury being worse than maybe we think again, those NFL teams get a lot more looks at the medicals and all the stuff than we get. And Juju's not going to come out and say anything publicly. So I wonder if maybe that injury is a little bit worse than we think it is right now. I would say if I had to have a veteran on the roster, I would bet on Juju because I think that he will work well in that offense with Patrick Mahomes. Um, I'd really only take a shot on MBS if it's best ball because I just don't know what – I just would not feel comfortable starting him every single week because I agree with Dennis. He may end up with 900 yards, but most of that may come in like five games, and I'm not going to know what five games it is going to be that I need to start him or whatever because it's just he's he, we we know that he can flash and have those you know four catches for 150 yards and three touchdowns and then he can get you two catches for 15 and nothing I don't know what games to start him so for me MVS is like the perfect best ball target especially going that late because you could get those massive games for him and he's gonna be put in your lineup when when he is really good Travis Kelsey, I mean, there's really not much to talk about with Kelsey. We know he's going to be likely a top three tight end. He is currently coming off the board as tight end one with an ADP of 17, three picks ahead of Mark Andrews, who many are saying uh, could also be possibly tight end one this year. I mean, I, I just don't think there's any way that Kelsey doesn't smash this year, um, especially with Tyreek Hill being gone. Um, are either one of you worried at all about Travis Kelsey? Nope. I think Kelsey is going to have a, a bounce back. My, I, I think I, so I don't think Andrews is going to repeat as the tight end one. I do feel like he's going to have another phenomenal season. 
but I do think Kelsey is going to get uh, just inundated with volume. If somebody is going to finish as the tight end one that's not one of those two, I think it's going to be Kyle Pitts. But I have no issue with it. Even in Dynasty right now, I think if you're trying to shore up your tight end position because you're you're right there and you you you're going to make a, a run for a title. I don't have any issue going out and getting Travis Kelsey and even paying up for him a little bit. He is the the he's been the best in the business for a long time. So go get you a winner. Yeah, I mean you have to pay up for Kelsey, but he's probably going to be in for another good season. Yeah, I mean, well, we can save this more for Baltimore, but I do agree. I, I am not as high on and I do not think Andrews has a shot at, as uh, finishing his tight end one again this year. Uh, you go look at how hyper-targeted he was and the amount of yards and touchdowns he put up in the back half of the season with Tyler Huntley last year is why he jumped up to tight end one. He was on pace to finish right around tight end three, four, five uh, last year, and I think that continues with Lamar Jackson. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is currently QB4 right now. He is an ADP of 3.5, QB2 off the board. Uh, I mean, just an absolute stud. I think he's probably 2-3 this year, redraft, dynasty dynasty leagues. Uh, I mean, I think Herbert's probably the only one that has a case to possibly jump him at the moment. I think it's him, Mahomes, and Allen as a top three. Uh, do either one of you have him lower than that? I do. No, okay. Why do you have him at five? For redraft? <clears throat> Just because I'm not sure Kansas City's pass offense is going to be quite as efficient. He was QB4 last year, and that was that was with Hill. Um, I have Allen, Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Burrow all over him. I don't think I could make a strong case for Burrow being over him, but I, I, I think I could for Lamar. Just for fun, do you guys know where Baltimore finished when it comes to number of pass attempts? Like, where did they rank in number of pass attempts last season? First, second, 20th? I'm pretty so sure they were toward the bottom, but I could be wrong there. I think they came up a lot. We You asked this before I looked yeah, it up. They, they were ninth last yeah. year in pass attempts. So I don't know if I don't know how much of that is because of Tyler Huntley, um, and I don't know off the top of my head I, I can't quantify how it might come down with losing um, uh, Marquise Brown, but you know that's a that's a that's significantly more significantly higher ranking than I think we we feel the Ravens do the Ravens pass. But it could also be because they had pretty much us running running the ball for them after yeah, every running back they own seemed to like tyranny. Running backs were not great last year. All right, so and we all took the slight over on the Kansas City Chiefs again, the ten and a half wins. All right, so let's talk about the Las Vegas Raiders who did squeak into the playoffs last year. They finished with a ten and seven record and lost in the wild card round. Their key departures, Marcus Mariota goes over to the Atlanta Falcons, as does Brian Edwards in a trade. Or it, was, it was a trade, correct? I'm not 
reason. Okay. Yeah. And Zay Jones goes to the Jaguars. Their key additions, they got a new head coach in Josh McDaniels. They traded for the top wide receiver in fantasy over the past couple of years, Devontae Adams. They add Keelan Cole, Demarcus Robinson, um, and they also add Chandler Jones on the defensive side of things. Uh, their key additions in the draft were Zamir White in the fourth round. All right, what, Matt, we're going to go to you first because I know you are Josh McDaniels' biggest fan. What are you expecting from the Josh McDaniels era in Las Vegas? Well, um, I I think their passing game's going to still be pretty good. They have good weapons. Um, Not picking up the fifth-year option for Josh Jacobs would seem to be in line with, if you watch the you know, the running game for New England through the years, it's been more of a running back by committee. They have Jacobs, they have White, they still have Kenyon Drake, who was a, a signing last year, some other guys. So I think they'll they'll probably change some of the identity from what the Raiders were last year, where it seemed like they wanted to pound you a lot with the ball early on. Uh, and then throw it deep. That hasn't typically been how the Patriots have played offense. And I think with a a good possession receiver in Hunter Renfro and a good overall receiver in Devontae Adams, plus a big weapon at tight end in Waller, you're going to see a little bit more of that kind of style offense. The Patriots often threw – did short passes for the running game. So I wouldn't be surprised if we actually see Kenyon Drake a little bit more because once upon a time he was viewed as, as a somewhat decent uh, receiver. Um, but I'm not as bullish on the Raiders as many people. I'm not a huge fan of uh, Josh McDaniels. I guess we'll have to see um, what he did, but I was not uh, impressed by that move, I really wish they would have given Rich Bisaccia a chance. Um, I thought what he did coming in, taking over a team that not only fired a coach midseason, but had a bunch of weird player stuff, including all that happened with Henry Ruggs, and being able to pull them together and find offense, even with you know Waller missing some games with injury, and make the playoffs was very impressive to me. I think it's a real shame um, that he didn't get a chance to follow up on that. Yeah, I, I agree on the Basaccia point. I, I feel like he kind of got the shaft. I mean, there's is there really any hope in Las Vegas after they moved on from Brian Edwards and Zay Jones? I mean, it's going to be tough <laughs> to overcome that. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. It, I'm not sure that Kenyon Drake actually makes it. Uh, you know, he's got an $8 million cap hit if they let him go. But if if they feel like some of the other guys are going to step into to roles and play prominent roles, I could see them moving on from Kenyon Drake to let, you know, Zamir White become the thumper and, and maybe Josh Jacobs to be the – one B running back and do do some pass catching because he's pretty adept at that. Um, you know, they passed a lot. They were seventh in pass attempts last year. Uh, and we've seen with uh, New England that they're not opposed to being lopsided when it comes to how they run their offense. And so with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, it would not surprise me one bit if the Raiders are top five, maybe even top three in pass attempts this season. 
that you know they don't have a, a ton of stuff beyond those three guys but Adams getting 175 targets and Renfro and Waller getting 130, 140 isn't out of the question for this Raiders team. Uh, That ends up being uh, really good for Derek Carr managers. Um, And I don't know, it's, it's tough to watch Josh Jacobs be so perennially disrespected uh, when he just kind of keeps going out there and producing numbers and talking a good game when it comes to being a good teammate, not being a Jacobs isn't afraid to let other people carry the ball and then do well when he carries it. So, yeah, I just I don't know what to think of McDaniel's. Like, I'm I'm very intrigued by the hire. I agree uh, with both of you guys said about Rich, uh, and not even you know Matt. You just mentioned what happened with Henry Ruggs and everything, but also what happened with John Gruden midseason and why they had to fire him. Like it was a really weird season for the Raiders in their first, you know, real season there having fans in the stands and everything. It looked like they were going to completely implode and he was able to turn around and get them into the playoffs. I agree. Probably should have gotten at least a year to see if that happens. I mean, we do associate um, many people in the NFL and fantasy circles associate Josh McDaniels with a good offense, with what he's able to do for the most part in New England, but he failed miserably as a Denver Broncos head coach for the most part. And 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 does he bring that with him? Did he learn anything? That's I think the only thing we can hope at this point in, in getting his second chance here as a head coach with the Raiders. Um, I don't know what to think about it. So for me, I'm just kind of targeting those high-end guys and expecting them to continue to do what they do. Speaking of the high-end guys, let's let's start really quick at the running back position. We mentioned at the beginning of the show that Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option was not picked up. He is currently coming off the board as RB21 with an ADP of 58.5. And then you've got Samir White, the rookie who many kind of see almost as like a Josh Jacobs clone. He's coming off the board at RB47, ADP of 201.4. So, I mean, almost 150 picks behind Josh Jacobs. Matt, if you're in a startup draft, I've probably been one of the ardent guys against Josh Jacobs. I've continually said I do not think he's that good. As I mentioned earlier, his lowest score in points per game has been RB15 in his four-year career. Now, this will be his – or sorry, his three years. This will be his fourth year. No, fifth year. Yeah, this, this is his fourth year. year. No, fourth this season. is his fourth okay. year. His fourth they season. declined his fifth-year yeah. option. So for three seasons, I believe it was 12, 15, and 13 in points per game as an RB and fantasy. So that's pretty damn good for someone who is, has completely said many times that he's not that good. He's clearly showed me that that is not true. He is good. Would you be willing to back him up with Zamir White in a startup draft? Yeah, I mean, I guess they they took White there in the fourth round. I'm I'm not reaching real high on White. I think Jacobs, even if he doesn't go back to the Raiders, is going to go somewhere because he's been productive. And I actually think in redraft, uh, where he's going, RB21 feels about right for this season. I think the Raiders are still going to lean on him and, and run him out. I just don't know if he fits what it's interesting that Samir White is considered to be a Josh Jacobs clone because I was wondering if part of the reason they didn't do a fifth year option for Jacobs is he doesn't exactly fit the mold of what McDaniels has typically tried to do with his backfield. 
Um, so I also wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders go get a running back or draft more running backs and Zamir White really never turns into anything. I don't think it was an incredible, um, you know, investment. And that McDaniel system, whether it's been in Denver or whether, it, whether it's been in New England, hasn't really been about um, building into a running back. Running back is a more fungible position in that system. Yeah, I, I'm not going to – I mean, if I'm taking Zamir White, it's because I took Josh Jacobs and I decided I wanted to handcuff him. I don't think is Jacobs is healthy. I don't think Zamir White has standalone value. Uh, his only value, I think, is as a handcuff. I think, you know, despite the chance that Kenyon Drake might not be there, I mean, they've got uh, Brandon Bolden. They've got uh, Amir Abdullah. All great comp committee pieces there. And, and yes, White could be uh, one of those as well. But I, I don't think White is, you know, he can do some of what Jacobs does, which is, you know, gain tough yards and run the ball well. I don't think Zamir White is, is – is near the receiver that Josh Jacobs is. Um, but at that value going that late, it's, it's kind of, it, it, it comes down to the handcuff strategy. You know, there's the other people's handcuffs, there's handcuff your own backs. Uh, but I don't think Zamir White is anything more than a handcuff. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you guys on that. I would be willing to take a bet on Jacobs, especially that late, considering he's continually produces a high end RB two and he's going as a low end RB two in drafts. Um, and I do agree with what Matt said. Like I think he's been so productive that if the Raiders don't bring him back, he'll land somewhere, and I think still be productive. You know, I don't think I. It, it really depends on how the drafts go. I mean, that's around sixteen at that point. Like maybe I'll take a shot on Zamir White. He had one decent season with Georgia and that was this past year he's had two ACL injuries you know Kenyon Drake I just went and looked it up I mean he's going off the board right now is RB 55 um in uh sleeper leagues I couldn't find exactly what his ADP is I'm probably looking at the wrong spot here but uh coming off the board maybe I'm looking at 225 overall like problem is he wasn't even able to make it back to June minicamp with the broken ankle that he had in December so I, I don't even know if betting on him I know Dennis mentioned it earlier he may not even make the team I, I do think that's a realistic possibility um, for the wide receivers here, we know that they brought in Devontae Adams. He is currently still valued very highly, which I think is is fair. Wide receiver 7, ADP of 23.7. You've got Hunter Renfro, who was a top 12 asset last year. Wide receiver 41, ADP of 97.8. Um, then you've got Keelan Cole and Demarcus Robinson, as well as, uh, again, kind of like what we talked about with the Chiefs, just kind of like a litany of other wide receivers here, probably that don't mean anything in Tyron Johnson, Matt Collins, D Dylan Stoner, uh, or is it? Yeah, it is Dylan Stoner. Okay. Um, Dennis, where, where are you going with these wide receivers? Are, are you still betting on Devontae Adams? And if so, what do you expect his impact to be this year for the Raiders? Well, there's a reason you're looking at the sheet and not seeing any ADP for those wide receivers is because they didn't show up on sleepers ADP because they're going that late. 
Um, I like Adams. You know, he, his redraft ADP is at uh, 20, pick 24, wide receiver seven. I don't think I've seen him go late second round. That, that feels that feels a little bit late, but apparently uh, that's where some people are picking him. Uh, his And his uh, dynasty ADP is four picks after that. So, I mean, I get it. He's almost 30, um, but I feel like, man, he's got what he does – and, and how he plays, I, I just feel like he brings so much to the game, and he's going to get the volume over the next two to three years. He's definitely a high draft pick. You know, I guess 24 isn't terrible, but I could see taking him you know, six to eight picks sooner than that. Uh, he's going to produce, and so unless you're – you're somebody who who just doesn't think Derek Carr can produce a high-end receiver, uh, re- regardless of how good a buddy he is with Devontae Adams, then I don't think you take him there. But I'm okay taking – if I'm trying to build a team and I want to win now, I'm okay taking Devontae Adams the end of the second round. Yeah, so despite all the problems they had last year, Derek Carr was – QB 13 and Hunter Renfro was wide receiver 10. It's a matter of people not looking at the personnel and looking at the coach. If you pulled up the 2007 New England Patriots offense, the last time that Josh McDaniels had a wide receiver one, the caliber of Devontae Adams when he had Randy Moss and also had a small white slot receiver in Wes Welker, similar to Hunter Renfro, Moss saw 160 targets and caught 98 passes and exploded. You know who saw 145 targets? Wes Welker. Hunter Renfro right now at those ADPs is the deal of the century. People forgot that he was wide receiver 10 last year. I don't know why people think he's he's getting hurt that much by having Devontae Adams. I think those two are both going to be fine. The one that I suspect takes a slight step back is Darren Waller, who right now he's listed at tight end five. I, when I was doing my pass, had him down in the seven or eight range. We already saw him start to take a backseat to Renfro in the way they were playing ball last year where he finished his tight end 17. Carr can easily finish as a low-end QB1 uh, with this kind of offense. They, you know, they throw to run. And before anybody goes crazy and says New England didn't have a running back, in 2007, they had Lawrence Maroney back there. He got 185 carries in 13 games. He was pounding the ball that he was not exactly a graceful running back that was a year where they had both a pounding kind of style running back that they have in Josh Jacobs and those two kind of receivers plus they managed to find 75 targets for Dante Stallworth 50 for Jabbar Gaffney and 49 for Ben Coates I think there's one of those other receivers that's going to be relevant you probably will see Waller yet in the 80 to 90 target range and I think both those receivers are going to get a lot of targets their passing offense is going to be great I may not believe in the Raiders, but I believe in that. Yeah, I'm I'm all in on Adams and Renfro too. I I, I don't. I mean, I didn't know about the stats that you just gave, and I appreciate you doing that because it just helps bolster my point as well. Being agreeing with you because 
I mean, I get it. Devontae Adams is going to turn 30 this year. Uh, his birthday is, I believe, December. It's December something. So uh, he'll turn 30 this year, and many people start to fade wide receivers at that point. I just don't. I think his game and what he does well is not that of a speed wide receiver. He is such a great nuanced route runner that I think he can continue to age well, almost like a Larry Fitzgerald type wide receiver. I think he's going to be fine. And I'm with you on Hunter Renfro. Like, that chemistry between him and Carr doesn't just go away just because Devontae Adams showed up. I think that Waller is the one who takes a big step back here. I have met at tight end 10, actually, in my rank, so I'm very close to you. I think if I had to guess, Adams is probably a wide receiver one and, and Renfro probably a, a wide receiver two, but I, I would not be surprised if he finishes right around the wide receiver 15 range. Like, I'm all in. <laughs> on both of those guys this year, and I'm with you. The the ADP value screams at Hunter Renfro going at wide receiver 41. Like, I, I'd be willing. You don't do it because he's going off the board at, at, at 97.8, but I'd be willing to take him as a, like, wide receiver 20-something off the board because I still think you're getting a value there. Like, it's, it's insane. And I'm going to be honest. I'd be willing to take – I would take Devontae Adams as wide receiver two or three off the board. I'm not waiting until wide receiver seven. Like – I get the love for Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. And if you want to take both of them over Devontae, fine. But that's it. That's all I'm taking over Devontae Adams. I don't care that he's about to be 30 years old. The dude has been an absolute rock star since he's kind of broken out in his third year there. And and I really, I think he would have broken out earlier had he not gotten that injury. Um, so Dennis, you know where Matt and I stand on Darren Waller, who is coming off the board at tight end five with an ADP of 45.8. Where do you stand with him? Well, I think Waller is still going to get his. I I do feel like the passing game is going to be a three-headed monster. Um, but we saw last year some inconsistency creep into Waller's game, and I think I think we'll see more of that. There will be some big games. There will be some uh, Amari Cooper disappearance games. I like tight end seven. I think that's kind of where I, I feel like I have him um, in my first sort of pass at rankings is, is around tight end seven. Uh, but we've seen him produce and we've seen him get open. And uh, because of his ability to be a mismatch, I, I think he may present more of a deep threat than either Renfro or Adams uh, because of his ability to run and how big he is. Uh, you know, Adams wasn't necessarily known for his deep game and neither is Renfro. So there, there is, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a, uh, you know, a high water mark yards per reception, yards per target for Darren Waller this year, which naturally comes with a uh, increase in inefficiency. Um, so his catch rate may come down some, but I still think he's going to produce. And that tight end, like the the top tier of tight ends is probably one or two tight ends bigger than it has been in the past. So it's, I think it's probably seven. And I think Waller is at the end of it now. All right, uh, last but not least here for the Raiders before we talk about their over-under, Derek Carr he is coming off the board as QB 16 with an ADP of 35.6. Uh, Matt, you kind of mentioned 
where he's finished recently and what that offense looked like. Granted, Tom Brady, when, when Josh McDaniels did that, but still was very productive. What are your thoughts on Derek Carr this year and moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I like Carr in both formats. He obviously signs an extension. Uh, feels like that's going to be a good partnership there. I think he's a low-end QB1, high-end QB2, right about where he's been, you know, anywhere between 11 and 15. Yeah, that's a, a comfortable spot for him. I mean, the Raiders last year were seventh in pass attempts, sixth sixth in pass yards. Um, I, what what uh, Carr has to do is improve his touchdowns. He only threw 23 touchdowns on that volume, and that's really where I think someone like Devontae Adams helps is going to be in the touchdown. So. I think Carr hits 30 touchdowns this year, and because of the the increase in touchdowns, I think that moves him up from the the mid to low teens into, you know, the somewhere between nine and twelve, probably. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think um, pro- I think he's between nine and 14. So you could possibly get that, that QB one season, but high end QB two, I think, especially adding Devonte Adams will be very interesting for this team right there. Over under is set at 8.5 wins. They finished with, I believe, what was it? 10 last year, right? Yeah. 10 and seven. So Matt, you taking the over or the under on the Raiders win total. I'm taking the under. I don't think they make the playoffs. I, I think they're no better than third in their division, um, possibly even fourth. And uh, I, I think they're going to be the under the eight and a half. I feel like eight's the perfect number, so I'm going to take the under there just because that division's just so good. I really don't know how it's going to – I think the Chargers are going to win that division. I don't know how the rest of the division shakes out. So that that's kind of – where I am with them. Speaking of the Chargers, them and the Broncos will be the two teams we talk about on Friday. It will be, I'm just letting everybody know, a quick episode now because your boy is wanting to get on to Stranger Things, so I'll be giving some one-word answers. Uh, Hopefully no real big news comes out between then and now. Uh, Everybody enjoy the next couple days as we head toward July 4th weekend, and we will talk to you guys again on Friday. Oh, they tackled him before he 